on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. For the sixth time in seven oh, FBS yes. games this year, BYU fails to get to 300 yards of total offense. Falls to Texas by a score of 35 to 6. 354 to 292 is your final yardage tally. BYU was outscored 21-3 in the first half, outscored 14-3 in the second. Texas scored first on a 74-yard Xavier Worthy punt return. Texas scored to make it 14-0 on a Jonathan Brooks touchdown run. A Will Ferrin field goal made it 14-3 before halftime. 21-3 Texas on an Adonai Mitchell touchdown with less than a minute to go in the second. BYU blanked the Longhorns in a 3-0 third, but then two late touchdowns. Mitchell again, and uh, Jaden Blue, his first touchdown run as a Longhorn. 35-6 is your final hands. So, you know, BYU's defense, if, if you don't give up that last run to Jaden Blue of 34 yards, they, they hold Texas well under their rushing yards, and they held Jonathan Brooks under his season yardage average per game and under his yards per carry. Um, I I thought that the defense showed up to play a very tough game, and I, I thought that Texas's offense gave them some opportunities too. I thought Malik Murphy made some mistakes, but the defense kept them in it. Now, we move over to the offense and the special teams. Let's start with the special teams. The special teams giving up some really big plays to start this game. You know, the punt return for a touchdown. I don't know. There's not many worse ways to start than punting a ball and having somebody return it on you. Then the field position, just somebody the starting position, you couldn't get the returns in place, and Texas won the special teams aspect. And then the offense, that's that's the frustrating part for today, and I'm sure that everybody's frustrated with this. Just a lot of miscues that need to be talked about and probably need to go over with uh, with this offense. But after that Texas Tech game, Greg, I felt like they had gotten some things together offensively that just kind of fell apart today against Texas. 35-6, Longhorns win it. They go tires. Cougar postgame live starts after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Postgame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Postgame Live is brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Cougar Post Game Live is also brought to you by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Now, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Back in Austin, let's pause 10 seconds for a station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. All right, so back at DKR, Daryl K. Royal, Texas Memorial Stadium. BYU falls to 5-3 on the season, 2-3 and three in the Big 12 with a 35-6 loss at the hands of the Texas Longhorns. DUT goes to 4-1 and one, into a four-way tie for first place in the Big 12. So four-way tie for first with UT, OU, K-State, and Iowa State. Solo second for the time being at 3-1 and one is Oklahoma State. Two-way tie for sixth between KU... And West Virginia at three and two, then a four-way tie for eighth with BYU, Baylor, Houston, and UCF all at two and three. Then you get Houston in twelfth at one and four, Cincinnati in thirteenth at zero oh and four, and UCF in fourteenth at zero oh and five. So all the newcomers have losing records, and uh, three of them, the bottom three, have combined to go one and thirteen in league. BYU falls to two and three. 
All right, this is Big O Tires, Cougar Post Game Live. It is brought to you by your locally owned Big O Tires, locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Greg and Hands up here in the booth. Mitch is down on the field and will help get us some post-game interviews with players and coaches still to come. It's a tough one for BYU today in a game the Cougars never led, so akin to the TCU game, the Cougars give up a score early against TCU. It was a pick six. Here was a punt return. BYU's down 7-0 early, never really recovered. So a couple things offensively, you know, Keanu Hill was ruled out of this game. Uh, he's still dealing with injury. So when you take into consideration, you know, your big electric offensive playmakers, Cody Epps, Keanu Hill, Isaac Rex, you know, the, the guys that were supposed to be the catalyst, the electricity for this offense. And, you know, you get one catch from Cody Epps, but that was in scrap minutes there in that last play of the possession. Game. Yeah, you get two catches from Isaac Rex, but you have a drop from Isaac Rex when you're still trying to make a push to get back in that game. But he has two catches for 16 yards, and then Keanu Hill has been out most of the year. Aiden Robbins is just getting back, and he's just trying to get the engine going. But Texas did a good job of shutting down the edges, so there just wasn't a lot to go offensively for BYU on the outsides. And Texas just, they, look, they're a good defense. They got a, they, they've got some really strong personnel to stop the run, and BYU just wasn't able to take advantage of where Texas falls short sometimes, and that's in the pass game. We'll come back and get you some individual postgame stats and also our postgame honorees as we continue from Austin. 35-6, Longhorns win it on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Postgame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Greg Rubel. Texas 35, BYU 6, today's final score. Let's get you our postgame honorees. We'll start off, <coughs> beg your pardon, with our Waystar star of the game, brought to you by Waystar. Simplifying healthcare payments. Learn more at waystar.com. Hans, who do you like for the Waystar star of the game for BYU? Well, I'm going to go with a guy that was really giving you an opportunity to be in this game with an interception and then leading the team in tackles. Crew Wakely who went out for just a minute, it looks like, with what was a stinger as he dropped his shoulder to try to put a big hit down on Malik Muhammad. But he ends up kind of taking the, the brunt of that. But Comes back on the field. He's okay. And Crew Wakely is just impressed. So the Waystar star of the game goes to Crew Wakely now for our Palmer, Palmer's Metal Mart Steel Man of the Game, brought to you by Palmer's Metal Mart. Palmer's Metal Mart is the source for metal roofing and siding. When you buy from Palmer's Metal Mart, you buy from the manufacturer direct, and you save money. The Palmer's Metal Mart, steel man of the game. Who do you like, Hans? Well, there were two goal line stops, and both of them involved Jackson Cravens, the defensive tackle for BYU. One of them in particular where it was just a solo man on tackle as he rotated off a block to the far side of the, the action, and just it met he met um, Jonathan Brooks head on and kept him short of the line to game. So Jackson Cravens gets the steel man. A solo tackle and a half tackle for loss. Part of his two-tackle day, Jackson Cravens is the Palmer's Metal March steel man of the game. Those are your post-game honorees. Congrats to two defenders, Crew Wakely and Jackson Cravens. BYU with Kalani Sitake, the head coach, still staying on the field and applauding the fans who've stayed to ring the Cougar portal area. Kalani very grateful, tipping his cap to them. He'll head to the locker room to be with his guys now and look to, to reset with his team. For next Saturday at West Virginia. What did West Virginia do today? Well, the Mountaineers had lost back-to-back -back games, including that crazy Hail Mary loss to Houston. 
West Virginia bounced back well today, and it'll be BYU taking on a West Virginia team coming off a win. So the Mountaineers were victorious today, and BYU travels to Morgantown next week. So BYU back into league play. West Virginia defeated UCF in Orlando today. Scored 41 on the road, 41-28. to And things do not get easier for BYU. You look at what the Cougars have left, and again, they've got to win one of the final four games. And every one of these teams is ahead of BYU in the conference standings. West Virginia, who's now 5-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in league. Iowa State, who's 4-3, and three, I beg your pardon, 5-3 and three as well, 4-1 and one in league. They beat Baylor today. Oklahoma, Oklahoma now 7-1 and one on the year, 4-1 and one in league. And then Oklahoma State, who plays tonight, is 5-2, and 3-1 and one in league. So if BYU's going to go bowling, the Cougars are going to earn it against a good football team down the stretch. And one thing that's been said about BYU to this point is none of the wins have come against a, a team with a, a winning record, a good team, if you will, to this point. And as you've mentioned, uh, Oklahoma State probably gets that win tonight against Cincinnati, so they continue to improve. And as you've mentioned, just this Well, there's intrigue now. This finish. The stretch, there's intrigue down the stretch. You've got to find a win in four games. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you're, well, and you're likely going to be an underdog in all four. And what's crazy is Oklahoma showed to be the most beatable of the, the three that you seem to be taking on at this point losing to a Kansas team that was reeling a bit as they've lost their quarterback. So uh, it's, it's so over in the air, but this is what we know, Greg. Coming back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium after that West Virginia game is going to be very healthy. It's going to be a great environment. They have not lost at Lavelle Edwards Stadium yet this year. It, 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 it has been their comfort zone. So when it comes back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, all BYU fans have to understand that that really is going to be their, their, their standoff. If they don't make the push there, they probably don't find it because Oklahoma State to end the year on the road in Stillwater is going to be difficult. Back to Austin. More postgame coverage after this. BYU falls to UT by a funnel score of 35-6 on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Bell and Hans Olsen for more Cougar postgame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It is Big O Tires, Cougar postgame live. Go to BigOtires.com and make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires, the team you trust. All right, uh, BYU individual numbers of notes. Start with Keaton Slovis. Uh, another sub-100 pass efficiency rating day for Keaton. Uh, 24 for 39 for 197. No touchdown passes and two picks. Pass efficiency rating of 93.7. Rushing the football, BYU. Aiden Robbins, 17 carries after a 16-carry week last week. Aiden, 17 for 56. A long of 11. So these were hard yards for Aiden today. An average of 3.3. That's kind of what he's been all year. About three yards a carry. Deion Smith had one carry for 18. Michael uh, Miles Davis, one for 13. Slovis, five carries, including sacks, uh, and uh, ended up with eight yards with a long of 21 with some lost yardage in there. And Keelan Marion, two carries for no yards. So BYU runs it 26 times for 95, an average of 3.7 on the day. Receiving the football, Lasseter, five for 75 to lead BYU in both catches and yards. Roberts had four for 29. Marion, 3 for 20. Kingston, 3 for 20. The lead receivers for BYU. You mentioned a moment ago, Darius Lassiter, leading receiver for BYU, including a career-long 47 yards. Uh, before today, Darius's long catch was 42, and I was told, Darius, your long at Eastern Michigan was 45. Does that sound about right to you? Does 47 sound like your career-long? Yeah. Congrats does. to you on a career-long. And, man, you're making a habit of making the uh, 
difficult catches look easy. One of them got taken away on a sideline, but the other was no doubt in double coverage. Yeah. First of all, the one on the sideline, you get a foot down. We're thinking it's a catch. What happened on the sideline there? Uh, they said that uh, that it was a they said it was a bobble. Uh, like once I hit the ground, but um, my hand was under the ball, so I mean things happen like that. So Cameron can't leave it on the rest to uh, decide. I gotta just come back and go stronger and have stronger hands next time. Yeah, we thought it was a clean catch, and then uh, and then a beautiful catch in traffic where you're basically catching it on the body of a defender, and and they were, and they threw a flag because it was gonna be pi if you don't get the grab. I was really happy with you on that one. Such focus, such concentration. Well done. Thank you. So what sticks with you more, Darius? Is it the ones that you came down with, or is it the ones that you weren't able to come down with? Uh, just the plays that I wasn't able to come up with. Um, I expect myself to make every play that is coming to me. I mean, Keaton trusts me to make a play in that, in that moment. So um, the ones that I don't get often, uh, those are the ones that stick with me all the time. How proud are you of the uh, other side of the ball today? Defense kept you in the game for quite a while today, it felt like. Yeah, uh, defense did their thing. Uh, that's all we can ask for. They uh, held them to 14 points for a very long time. We just couldn't get things going on offense, but we're going to look back at the film, see what things that we can change and get back to it next week. Darius, did they run the coverages you were expecting on the outside? Did you see kind of what you'd expected coming into this game? And were they better in those coverages? Yeah, the, we we seen everything on film that we expected to come out. Um, they wasn't doing nothing too spectacular. Uh, that's a good football team over there, but uh, we had the things that we wanted, um, just turnovers and, and going three and out. That's what shorted us uh, from moving the chains. What did you think was going to work today as you broke down Texas and thought we could hit this? Oh, uh, We thought our passing attack, uh, always we think our passing attack is going to be there for us. Um, we know they have a big D line and good linebackers that run the field, so we, uh, we thought our passing attack was going to be the, be the main factor for us. So, Darius, take us into that situation where it's fourth and goal and it's on the two and there were a couple of timeouts and stuff. Were, were you guys expecting to uh, to go for the, the touchdown in that moment before you got the the delay of game and took it back for a field goal? Yeah, we were. Um, we just didn't get the look that we wanted on that play uh, that we had uh, drew up. So uh, we decided to take a timeout and then come back to it, just take three and then move on. Our defense probably got to stop the next drive, I'm pretty sure, and then we should have just came down there and scored. Okay, uh, how about the reset button here, Darius? Darius, you got to go back to the East Coast to West Virginia next week. You got four games to play. Uh, what's uh, what's going to be maybe a, a, an item on the top of your to-do list when you get back to town? Uh, we get back to town, just looking at the film, seeing the things that we can correct and play our best game. We haven't we haven't did that as a full team yet this year, so that's our main goal, just playing with each other and for each other. So that's what we're going to do. Thank you, Darius, for the time. Yeah. All right, Darius Lasseter joining us on Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live. More from field level next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Greg Rubel and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Tires Cougar Post Game Live, also sponsored by JCW's. If tailgating's not your thing, but you still want to eat good after the game, JCW's has mouth-watering burgers and shakes the whole family can enjoy. JCW's quality and a lot of it. Moments ago, Crew Wakely was chosen as our Waystar star of the game in today's game. BYU falls to Texas by a score of 35-6. to Crew Wakely, he led BYU defensively. Crew with a nine tackles, three of them solo, a one and a half TFLs, his first career pick, and a PBU, and Crew is on the headset down on the field. Crew, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate you. That is interception number one, right? Yeah, should have been two, but <laughs> we'll take it. 
Yeah, it's it's always it's always tough to reflect on on individual accomplishments in a team game after a day like today. But uh, man, we're proud of you. And you took a hit, took you out of the game for a little bit. We were worried about you. You came back, and what happened to you there? <laughs> yeah, I got the air knocked out of me. I sounded like oh, that's a goose. all it was. Yeah, I sounded like a goose out there. So I had to come <laughs> get my bearings back. But I'm good. <laughs> Nothing crazy. Oh, good. I'm it glad was, you got back in. Okay. It was a good scare, bud. Uh, let's walk into that interception a little bit and. It looked like Malik Murphy didn't know what he was throwing to. I, I, were, were you in a burnt orange jersey at that point? Take me into, to, were you surprised when that ball found you kind of sitting in that territory? Yeah, it seemed like it was a broken play. He wasn't ready for the snap, and I don't really know what happened. But all I know is I see him start looking back and looking my way. I'm like, there's no way he throws this thing. And he threw it right to me, and I had I couldn't drop that one. So I took that one, and I was hoping to score, but I uh that uh, I guess I got to get my cardio up. I was a little tired. <laughs> we, we said the same thing because uh, the, the chest hits him in the snap. The, the snap hits him in the chest before he's ready for it. And I think that just took him all out of uh, out of you know coordination. And either way, you're, you you got to make a play, and you did. And it just felt crew like for the longest time the defense was going to make enough plays to keep BYU in this game. Is that what you guys are saying on the sideline? Uh, uh, yeah. The, I mean, the message was just keep making plays. It, the our, our focus point was make them snap the ball one more time. They, they turned the ball over a couple times. They made some errors. And when you got a backup quarterback in, you just got to make them snap the ball one more time. Uh, and that's that's what we did. So shout out to our, our D-line up front. getting a, They had a strip sack. And um, shout out to J-Rob. He had a nice little fourth down stop on the on the goal line. So it was just get them to snap the ball one more time and, and uh, make them make a mistake. So I want to walk a little bit more into detail with the two goal line stops crew. Talk about some of the play calls in those goal line stops and, and talk about what led to those goal line stops. Um, shoot, I wish I could remember the plays. Uh, really, it just comes down to Coach Hill always tells us when it when you get on the goal line like that, you just got to nut up and you just got to get after it. So shout out to our D-line. Um, it starts with them. I mean, if they don't get good pushback and, and they don't hold their gaps, then, then we're in trouble on the back end. So it really starts with them, and they did a great job with that. Uh, they actually had a good play drawn up on that one, Jacob. Um, made a stop on he came off the block and made the tackle i don't know yeah. if that was supposed to be my guy or what we'll have to watch the film but i saw him coming across cross and i was like oh crap um but uh jacob yeah, made a great play right there too because that's a big uh tight end that's, oh huge play yeah it's, it's grabbing that ball you know Jatavian sanders is one of the bigger boys on the field and jacob yeah. brings him down jacob had a heck of a game too didn't he he did he always does um he's a kid you can always count on i love that dude all right, how do you shake this one off here, uh, crew, as you get ready for the stretch run? November's around the corner now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's part of the game. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Uh, stay together, don't point fingers, don't blame nobody, and just love each other up. I think that's really what it comes down to. What's this season been like for you? You know, a guy that might have been a little bit deep on the depth chart, but as the injuries come, you step onto the field, and then here you are, one of our players of the game. What what has this season been like for you? Just And what has it meant to you, crew? Um, it's been fun. It's uh, been something I've always uh, dreamed of. So um, it's it's gone the way I expected it to in terms of having to be patient for my chance and uh, taking advantage of the opportunities I've been given. Um, I've learned a ton from Coach Hill. He's been a great coach. The boys, a lot of the boys. Uh, there's I have never been on a team with this type of uh, camaraderie and, and brotherhood and love and, and, and unity. So it's been a blast. And, um, I really, like, there's not much more I could ask for. I, I, I love this team, so. Do you feel emotional talking about this, only eight games in? <laughs> uh, no, I try not to be, but uh, I'm just grateful to be here.
Well, we're, we're grateful to be able to talk to you and have you contributing the way you are. Thanks, crew, for the time. Thank you. Great right, job, that's crew. crew. That's Crew Wakely. We'll come back with more from Austin as we continue on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, with more Cougar postgame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, so back at DKR, Daryl K. Royal, Texas Memorial Stadium in Austin, Texas. Texas defeating BYU by a score of 35-6 to today, a day in which Oklahoma falls from the ranks of the Big 12 unbeaten. OU coming into the day at 4-0 in league, 7-0 overall, and KU got him in Lawrence with the backup quarterback, Jason Bean. OU falls to 7-1 overall, 4-1 in league, as mentioned earlier. Four-way logjam atop the Big 12 at 4-1. Texas and OU, K-State and Iowa State. BYU gets two of those teams down the stretch, Iowa State and OU. And a third team may join them, Oklahoma State, with a win tonight would also go to 4-1. and one. And BYU closes the season with the Cowboys in Stillwater. Greg Grubel and Hans Olsen with you here in the broadcast booth in Austin. We'll head back down to field level. We've got uh, Cody Epps ready to pop on the headset. And so Cody will do a quick minute with uh, with us in the booth. And Mitch popping on the headset will be quick with Cody. Cody, I know you've got to rush back to the locker room. We'll pop you on for a quick second. Cody, thanks for taking a minute. Always good to speak with you. Wish it was under better circumstances. But uh, your thoughts on the number seven team in the country and uh, what they gave you and what, what you gave them back today. I just want to say I love hearing your voice. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad to hear your voice. That's you, really yeah. nice of you to say. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, they were they were a great team, man. They were fast. They were athletic. Their front the front seven was amazing. Um, they caused a lot of havoc. Um, just a great all around team. Well coached. Um, very respectable guys too. They weren't doing anything crazy out there. It was mutual respect and you know just a good team. Way to compete out there. Um, and way to, you know, way to do what they needed to do to get the dub. Cody, what were they doing to really take away aspects of that passing game that you guys maybe thought you could exploit? Um, I don't I, see, you know, during the game, we don't I don't see all those things. Um, when we get to the drawing board on Monday, we'll be able to figure out what were the little key things that they were doing to um, to cause some havoc for us. But I don't know the little particular things that they were doing. I think um, for what I saw, they they got to our quarterback a little bit, um, hit him a couple times. So that could have been something that definitely um, caused some pressure and, uh, you know, got to us. Halftime, what, what, what were you guys thinking could, could, could be adjusted? You were going to get the ball to begin the second half. Uh, how did you feel you were in the game at the break with these guys? you remember any thoughts about halftime? Yeah, I think we just wanted to come out with some energy, have fun, um, enjoy the game. Um, and play our hearts out, play with energy, play with enthusiasm. Um, you know, me particularly, I always try to look inward um, as of what I could do, could have done better. I had a play where I jumped, I false started um, going into halftime, so that wasn't the best thing. But when I came out, I wanted to make sure I fleshed that out, um, play with energy and just block that out and next play mentality. mentality. And I think my brothers, my teammates um, did a phenomenal job with that too. Of course, we want the dub, but... Um, like I said, we'll get back to the drawing board and we'll see um, things that we can fine-tune and we can grow on. Cody, I'm, I'm curious, are you guys aware of just the third down issues that this offense has has faced? Do you guys talk a lot about the numbers or do you just look at what the defense is in front of you and what you've got to do next week? Um, yes, so Coach Fessy, so particularly in my room, the wide receiver room, Coach Fessy does an amazing job of 
getting us prepared for, you know, that big topic, third downs. Um, we, we, you know, we've been in a lot of third and long situations, so we're trying to do a, a better job to get in those third and short, third and medium situations so that we can have manageable drives and keep pushing the ball down the field. Our coaches do an amazing job of making a blueprint for us. A-Rod is real. He does an amazing job making sure the quarterbacks are point, on point, the O-line is on point, so that we do know the down and distance. We do know, um, you know, the certain plays and what we're trying to accomplish on each and every down so we don't get in those third and long situations. Um, but, you know, it's an all-around effort. Uh, we got to have to execute better on, on the second down so we could, you know, make third and down manageable. And I, I take ownership of that, too. There's a lot of times on second um, and on third where I could have done a better job um, to help my team move the ball down the field and sustain drives. You make a 27-yard grab on the final play of the day. Where do you feel you are, Cody, in terms of your availability, your readiness, your physical uh, preparedness? Are you back to, to Cody again? Yeah, um, I do. I'm so geeked. It was a couple of times I beat the DBs pretty good. I was I was like, ooh, my legs are back. I'm having fun. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I'm being funny right now. But in all reality, man, I'm just... You know, I feel good. My legs feel good. Um, the humidity made me feel a lot of people were cramping, but I felt pretty good. Um, just have fun. And like I said, there's a lot of things that I have to go to the drawing board and, and do a lot better. But it does feel good personally when I'm able to compete and at least be on the field to help my team and make a catch like that and fight to the end. You know, Cody, I love hearing you have fun. And, and, I, and I hope that you guys can stay focused because... You look at what you got in front of you. You've got to still find at least another win, but I know you guys want to rack up four if you can on the way out. What's the focus like now getting ready to head to West Virginia? Um, just get ready for the, for the guys out on the east. Um, just, you know, prepare. Like I said, get to the drawing board, find their keys, find their tendencies, um, see where we can match that and see where we can capitalize. So it's a week-to-week it's a -week thing. And, and the, the good thing, man, is... We're, we're in a great conference conference that competes on a, on a week-in and week-out basis, man. It's, it's so competitive. It's so fun. So um, just another opportunity to go out there and compete against another good Big 12 team is going to be so fun for us. So I'm looking forward to it. How much is bowl uh, eligibility going to be driving this team down the stretch? Or you need one more? To be honest with you, Mr. Rubel, um, I don't. I haven't even thought about bowl eligibility. I'm just thinking about every single game. Um, just the next one, the next yeah, one. Yeah. Five, six, seven, yeah. whatever. I was laughing. I was eating lunch the other day with Keaton. I was, or I was at dinner, and I was like, dude, I can't even. Half the time, I don't even know who the next opponent is. I get so fixated on who we're playing at the moment. Like, mm -hmm. they had to tell me who the schedule was for the rest of the year. So uh, I'm super locked, locked in. into Yeah, yep. I'm super locked into a week-to-week -week basis on who our opponent is. Well, whenever it comes, however it comes, it'll be a special one because it will put you in the postseason, which is where you want to be, and we hope it comes sooner than later. And, Cody, we hope to talk to you again postgame and hopefully after a big dub. Okay. Thanks, Cody. Thank you. Well, Mr. Rubel, I want to ask one question. Uh -oh. Did you get that voice off of Amazon? <laughs> no, Because if you do, fact, I need fact, that. I'm, I'm hanging on, man. I, I, <laughs> I came into today a little under the weather, and I've been grinding this one through, so I appreciate you saying that because yeah. I'm just hanging on right now. Just make sure you get insurance on your, your windpipe. <laughs> Thank you, Cody. Appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you. All right, that's Cody Epps. We'll come back with more from Austin on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Greg Rubel and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, so welcome back to DKR, Daryl K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. Greg Rubel and uh, Hans Olsen up here in the booth, and let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with Kalani Sitake. We'll get to Kalani right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Fly sweet. 
postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the BYU Creamery Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. The Postgame Coaches Show is also brought to you by Economics Partners, a national leader in business valuation services. Learn more at econpartners.com. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so back in Austin, 35-6, Texas over BYU. This is the BYU Creamery Cougar Postgame Coaches Show, brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Greg and Hands in the booth and Kalani Sitake down on the field. Kalani has the headset on. Kalani, thanks for the time today. Uh, you've had a half hour or so to, to have this run through your head a bit, answer a few questions. Uh, your thoughts on what transpired this afternoon here in Austin? Yeah, uh, obviously not, not the result we wanted. Um, and and uh, just a lack of... Uh, um, for us to take advantage of a missed opportunity. Uh, I felt like uh, going into this week, we felt really good about uh, our prep and our our matchup with, with uh, Texas and to have uh, you know, in, ineffective uh, spots and uh, in all three phases. It, it, was, it wasn't perfect in, in the defensive side and kind of broke down a little bit on, on a big play at the end that kind of made it even worse. But, <clears throat> you know, those guys, the one thing I'd say, the guys fight and they, and they they, they give the effort, and so I've never had to complain about that. The guys don't quit, you know, but, and so we've got to find ways to improve and get better as a team, and I say that every week, and uh, it's just frustrating because I felt like we could, have been, we could have shown better than what we did, and, but you have to give credit to Texas. They're a good team. There's a reason why they're, they're uh, thought of as, as being in the national playoff uh, picture, you know, so it's just um, you can't make this, these mistakes, and you can't have this lack of, uh, of uh the consistency show up and think you can have a chance of winning um, even with some of the positive things that we did and I think they took over the game at the end and, and got the win and, and they deserve it we didn't did not deserve it today so I want to talk about some of the positive things first and then we'll get into some of the other issues but the couple of goal line stands that were fantastic and, and I know that you played fullback but I know that you cut your teeth really on the defensive side coaching how proud of your defense were you in those moments where you know, you're stacked against it, you're against it? You're on the one, the two-yard line, and, and you got guys out there making plays. Jacob Robinson fighting off a, a block, and then Jackson Cravens on the other goal line stand fighting off a block to make those tackles. Those are good moments, Kalani. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> listen, the, the, I, I'm not going to just be so down on it that we can't find ways to, to praise the good things that happen. I think that's important. Um, uh, that's part of the learning process is that, that, that we praise those that did well. I, I think it's important that we also are realistic about things that we know we can be better at. And, and, um, and, and I keep saying that over and over and over again and uh, just losing a little bit of patience with the whole process. That's, that's what I, I need to do better. So I'm, I'm, we're trying to get that done. Uh, it, it, and you're trying to get it done by, by playing a, a powerhouse like Texas with a, with a, with a fantastic brand with great talent. And, um, and so when, when you're in this situation, I don't know what the score would have been had we played our best, but I think we would all be, we'd be sitting here with a better feeling, you know? So uh, just the fact that we weren't able to do that, that's, that's frustrating, but um, that's the game also. We gotta figure out ways to, to, to get better and be positive with some of the things that we, we're, that we should be praised, but also be realistic about the things that need to improve. Kalani, did we see the new the new back-to-back -back timeouts rule come into play uh, near the goal line for you guys in one of your sequences there? Yeah, and and um, the problem we didn't we didn't have uh, we didn't have the proper play and the personnel set up, and so that's 
uh, that, that's that's on the ref, the crew, and me. You know, we, we uh, for some reason, we're just kind of in auto mode and didn't realize it. And then even at that moment, we're like, okay, you know what? The clock's running. Um, let's kick a field goal, but then let's, let's, let's take a delay and back it up so we can have a better angle. Right. You guys know that's a tight angle. I just wish we'd have just maybe just, just get lined up and go for it. We went for it so many times on fourth down that when we're two yards away, we, we got to find a way to just punch it in. And that's, that's my fault for not being aggressive and just saying let's go after it instead of trying to get points on the board. Hey, so you were good on, good on fourth downs today, uh, two for three until that. Well, you were two for two until the last one didn't hit, but that was at the very, very end of the game. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we're set to do that. I just, I just hate being behind all of it and, yeah. um, and having to catch up. I think the key for us is get better on first and second down and, and not make third down so hard for us on offense. And, and a, a second straight game in Texas, Kalani, where you find yourself down early on either a defense or a special team's play against you. Yeah, and that's unfortunate on our cover. I mean, um, I thought Maury got down there real quick, and um, credit to their, their returner. He, he made some guys miss and hit it up, and, and uh, he was really decisive, didn't dance around and made some cuts, and it was a great return, but we didn't help ourselves with, with our lanes and, and our, our coverage. And, I know K-pop is frustrated about that, but especially after what ha that happened in the Arkansas game, thought we had it fixed. But um, you know, got to get back on it, man. That, that, that's uh, can't 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 just assume that it's going to be a tackle when we punt downfield. And there's a lot of things that you have to, um, you know, that you have to factor in. It is the hang time? Are we out kicking coverage? Are we able to get the coverage down there? Um, all that stuff plays into into what we're trying to get done. So. Kalani, I got to imagine that the, the third down conversion issues are, are getting, they're stacking up a little bit, probably getting more and more difficult to deal with. When when the third down pops up, what's going through your mind and, and what are your thoughts on ways to fix the third down issues? Well, I think the easiest one is to get it third and shorter. I think the ones that we converted were the ones that were, weren't super long. You know, when, when you go third and, and uh, 10, that's really hard against a really good team um, with great pass rushers and great uh, cover guys, you know. So I've said it before that we got to win first and second down to make the third downs more manageable. We did not do that. And um, and then when we needed the run and needed certain plays, we weren't getting positive yards. And so we're playing behind the sticks a little bit too much. Um, and then on defense, we got to find a way to get out of third down. So that's still, that's still a nemesis for us that we've got to improve third down play on, on offense and defense. Yeah, BYU 2 for 13 offensively, 6 for 11 defensively on thirds. Average third down distance today was third and 7.3. We'll come back with more from Kalani in Austin. 35-6 Longhorns over the Cougs on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. On the BYU Creamery Cougar Post Game Coaches Show, closing comments with Kalani coming up. First up, the Economics Partners, valuable stat of the game. Whether for tax, financial reporting, or strategic purposes, when your business needs a valuation, the right partner is Economics Partners. Learn more at econpartners.com. BYU ended up... Uh, on the minus end in the margin, this ended up being a valuable stat for the winner today, Texas, as UT goes plus one in the margin. BYU's not lost a game this year when they've won the turnover margin. Conversely, they've not uh, won a game when they don't win that turnover margin, and UT was plus one today. And after two of BYU's picks, they were turned into touchdowns, Kalani, and, and those were big plays for BYU the other way as Texas took advantage of a couple of miscues. Yeah, it's just, uh, <laughs> you know, when we were able to get some turnovers, we were able to 
capitalize on it, and that's frustrating. But um, you know, credit to their defense for making plays and, and getting turnovers and making it more, um, getting more than us. You know, so I felt like uh, we were on onto some really good things. We had some missed opportunities too. I felt like we could have got more. Uh, it seemed like Malik Murphy was kind of hanging the ball up a little bit, and um, you know, the touchdown, but 21. Uh, I think it was just a bad, bad position by our safety and. It's just like these little things. I felt like if we're in the right position, we should be able to get picks, and um, that's unfortunate. But but you know that's uh, that's the name of the game, man. You know they made plays, we didn't, and and uh, you know forced uh, and they won the, the turnover battle. So that that's uh, that usually works out in our favor. Four games remaining, and I kind of want to know the prospects of getting L.J. Martin and Keanu Hill back on a field at some point, Kalani. Yeah, um, LJ's been practicing. He made the trip, but we just, uh, it's kind of like how Cody had um, his handle banged up, not 100%, so we felt like we only let's hold, hold him off. And I think LJ, I think LJ's in a good position to hopefully be ready to go next week. Same thing with with uh, Keanu. So um, uh, looking forward to getting those guys back because they, they make our team better. Okay, so with the calendar turning into November and four regular seasons games left, that brings into play uh, the redshirt call for any players you want to play four games and keep their year you can do that starting next week right and then not just four but but the rule is four and a bowl game so if there were anybody that you wanted to get in but keep their year you could start doing that beginning next week is that right yeah and then i think for us is more about um the ho- that helps more of the home games on the road we can only take 70 that's a big 12 rule and so the 70 have to have an opportunity to be on the field for us at home we can dress up as many as we want and use all the red shirts at different places but um, you know, it's hard to do that if you're not getting uh, significant practices. Uh, you know, we, we've been able to see our guys. Some, there's some freshmen that are just going to play and burn their red shirt completely. I think Cialia Serra is one of them. And uh, we just keep playing ball, you know. But I, I, the, the key is for us to get this, this experience, get them ready, because uh, these guys might be starters for us <laughs> next year. And to clarify, we were talking <laughs> off the air, but uh, bowl games wouldn't count against your four games because of so many players opting out of the postseason. You sometimes need numbers to replace those guys. So you can play four and a bowl game and keep your year. Is that the way you understand it, Kalani? Yeah, and w- what a cool thing for, for our players to have that opportunity. So, you know, we may need that. and, and uh Hopefully we're, we're not so banged up that we have to look into our depth, but but fortunately we have some really good depth. Um, we saw some of it, you know. We just need to just need to keep keep getting better, and I think the level of execution has nothing to do with the players. It's just a, a everybody doing being assignment sound. That that's on us. You know, Kalani, I was thinking back to our senior year when we flew out to Syracuse and then flew back out to Jacksonville and flew back out to Virginia, and you know you got these long trips. Well, you guys come out to Austin and then next week out to West Virginia. Do, do, are you feeling the results of some of the, the Big 12 uh, travel, or is it not like it used to be? I, I'm just curious because West Virginia is going to be a big trip for you. Yeah, I didn't think we were, were out of shape. I mean, looking at the, the fitness of our team and their level, I, I thought we were in really good shape, you know, but, but uh, we weren't able to use it, have that work in our favor. Um, going to West Virginia, we're, we'll, it's, it's on the East Coast time, so we'll probably tra- we'll travel couple days early so we've done that before but we haven't done that this year which is nice um so we'll get back on it and get out there and find ways to to improve and and i mean it's not easy so you're going out to west virginia and a difficult environment to play a game and uh they love their team too so we've got to got to make sure that we get some things corrected and, and make sure that we're showing up at our best for next week kalani do you feel pretty good about your your front five offensive linemen 
I, I mean, I have to watch the film. I felt like uh, I felt like that for some reason there was a lot of pressure on a quarterback, and um, maybe it's just a just need. We just need another second or another half a second for us to make plays. But you saw when when Keaton was able to throw deep, we made plays. You know, so and um, if he, we can keep his feet settled and he's accurate, but we got to give him some time. You know, so that's. Uh, that that's usually comes down to the O-line and the, and the running backs being able to protect. And so I have to watch the film on that. But we know we have eight or nine guys that, that I, we feel that can, can play at the, those five positions. Well, I'll be curious to see what the film shows. And I'm going to go back and watch the film, too. But, you know, it, it felt like to me Kalani was coming all over, just like different places. No, Not one person was getting their butt kicked. It, it was a running back getting mowed over, and then it was maybe miscommunication from an offensive lineman, and then it was a green dog blitz. Felt like Texas did a really good job mixing things up defensively. That's a pretty darn good defensive coordinator. Yeah, he, he is, and, and we've known him for a long time. So he's got that experience at Washington and Boise, and I've known PK for a long time and, and that staff and, and with, with Chote and them. So uh, they do a great job, uh, keep you guessing. And, and I, I think for me it's not more about the – where are the breakdowns? Is it an assignment breakdown? Is it a mental breakdown? Or is it actually physically we got beat up? I don't know if the physical thing showed up as much as uh, actually the, uh, the, the, the mistakes and unblocked guys, you know. So uh, there's a couple times that I thought that maybe the running back didn't block better on, on, a, on a blitz or we didn't pick up a blitz well enough. Um, but that, that's, all, that's all stuff that we can't, uh, that we have to fix. We can't keep making these mental errors or have this lack of execution and missed assignments. We're way too into the season now for that stuff to show up. Do you feel any differently, Kalani, today than you did, say, two weeks ago after the TCU game? Yeah, I, I feel, I mean, even the TCU game, I feel like the guys just don't quit. But um, I, I, I'm frustrated now about the execution and where is the breakdown, where is the, the deficiency. And that's what I've got to fix for me as a head coach is, is to focus on that and figure out a way to to improve on it and, and the guys are, are doing everything that we ask them to do uh we just got to be better you know i do want to talk about the other uh part of this this game and that's the special teams aspect of it um there were a lot of long fields that were set up by returns that kind of fell apart uh greg talked about the the punt return for a touchdown just your thoughts on on some of the special teams i do want to mention that will Farron, i feel like has been one of the biggest transfer portal pickups that you guys have had to this point. Yeah, and and he's great, um, especially with his field goals and and, and where we where we uh, if we I think the only ones he's missed are, are deep throw are deep kicks. You know, so looking at the deep the deep opportunities, uh, the long ones. I think if if I'm looking at everything else from him, he's out, he's done what we asked him to. Even on the kickoffs, um, the the frustrating thing is the cover on the punts. Um, and then, and then uh, the, our kick return. If, if we're not going to be positive, it's better to be at 25 than, than to take it to the 15. You know, so we've had breakdowns on our on our our, our kick returns, and that's got to improve. Um, you know, K-Pop's a great coach, and uh, we're not getting the most out of our guys, so we got to figure this out. And and we've we've seen some great special teams. We're just not not able to, to put it all together. But I, you know, because we have a great, a really good kicker, we're able to get the points. But it's weird when you're not getting in the end zone as, as, as an offense. All right, finally, Coach, the November stretch run now takes you to West Virginia. And the uh, Mountaineers went to Orlando, got a big win over UCF today, 41-28, to ended their two-game slide. You get West Virginia next Saturday. Thoughts? Nothing's easy in this conference. This is the schedule that we know we've, that we're going to have to run into some really difficult teams. They, these guys have been in... At a, at a P5 level for for a long time, so we're the new guys having so, we have something to prove. We have 
a chip on our shoulder. Uh, it's hard to, to be able to, to play with that chip on your shoulder if you're not executing. That's the key, execution in all three phases. And uh, if we can keep things clean, then we'll have a, a really good chance of being playing at our best. Safe travels back uh, to town. Kalani, we'll see you next week. Love you guys. Appreciate it. To all the fans, thank you for being here. Uh, we love our fans, man. They're great, and uh, they made a lot of noise for uh, this place being 100,000. I just uh, sorry we weren't able to do, do our part and, and, and get this W for you, but love you guys. Thanks love again, Kalani. All right, thank we'll you. see you soon. All right, we'll come back here from the other locker room here from former Cougar, current Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian as we continue from Austin. 35-6, Texas over BYU is our final on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Greg Rubel and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skid, BYU Sports Network. From Austin, official attendance 101,670 today, 35-6. The Longhorns over the BYU Cougars. Let's get back into Big O Tires Cougar Post Game uh, Coaches Show, uh, Post Game Live, beg your pardon. Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live brought to you by Big O Tires, stopped by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. And let's hear from Texas head coach, former BYU quarterback Steve Sarkeesian after his team's win over his former team here today in Austin. Okay, a little bit of a common theme, but, but I do love that it's a common theme. Another really versatile team win. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just continuing to be proud of these guys that, that different aspects of the game show up. Um, we felt really good about the punt return unit, that we would get an opportunity. And sure enough, right off the bat, um, we get the big punt return from Xavier uh, right up the middle for an explosive play that way. Um, that defensively, um, a, a really good kind of physical, hard-fought game, created three turnovers, a couple of really critical, you know, red area stops. Uh, that, that were big in the game, um, you know, had the, had the kind of one explosive pass play there down the middle, uh, but for the most part played really sound, affected the quarterback, did a good job against the run. Uh, and I thought offensively, you know, for Malik making his first career start, I was really proud of him. Um, you know, I, we had opportunities there for the game to, to go in a, in a little better direction, a little smoother direction. Um, and, and naturally, we just didn't finish those drives in the red area. And so, you know, I'd be I'd be lying if I didn't tell you there's a level of frustration as it pertains to that, um, and and we've got to we got to continue to dig deep into that into the things that we do well, uh, and how do we emphasize that to to score more points when we have opportunities to, um, but but for Malik to come out and play the way that he did, uh, it's unfortunate he had a couple of those turnovers which you know were, quite frankly a little bit because we're a little out of rhythm and I think we can clean some of that rhythm up. Uh, as he gets a little bit more comfortable um, as we move forward. Um, but again, you know, Jonathan Brooks showed up again tonight. A.D. Mitchell was a great weapon in the red area for us. Um, you know, J.T. made some really nice plays. And so there was a lot of, lot of positives. But, but what I will say, we haven't played our best yet. And to me, that's a little bit exciting uh, to know that our best is still out there, uh, that we can play better. Um, I think it goes without saying we're going to need to play better. Um, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna be really proud of our guys on this one. Anytime you can come home and beat a five and two football team, you know the the way that we did and play the style of defense that we played that that's exciting. And again, the, the team versatility showed up. Thanks, coach. We'll go ahead and start up here on the right, Danny. Um, Steve, I know you opened the door to Patel, but just kind of what did you think of Malik and kind of how he bounced back from those two early turnovers? I thought he bounced back great. You know, again, they were a little. 
unorthodox. Both both turnovers were, quite frankly, unfortunate for him. Uh, the first one, um, we had a, a bit of a miscommunication, and we didn't get even a route from the receiver on the front side. And so now he gets a little bit of pressure, and that that's some of the growing pains as a quarterback. Is sometimes you got to eat the ball and take the sack and, and not just kind of try to throw it, um, especially when you're getting hit. The second one, we're in a max protection, and I think our running back and guard kind of run into each other, and we don't block the defensive end. And again, probably had a pretty good chance at a touchdown pass. And so that's some of the growing pains that sometimes you got to eat it. Now, we got to execute better around him, but the way that he responded from both of those two turnovers um, I thought were great. You know, Malik's got, got really good composure about him. Um, and I think a little bit was the guys wanted to play so well around him. And sometimes you can try a little too hard. You're trying to make up for other stuff, and we just need guys to do their jobs and do their jobs really well. And so, um, but I was proud of Malik in the way that he responded. Yeah, um, you know, I, we believe in running the football. We take a lot of pride in our ability to run the football, um, and we take a lot of pride in the versatility of our run game and the fact that, you know, we're not a quarterback run team. You know, it's I know a lot of people kind of can steal yards with quarterback runs and different things. Ours are, are run-driven, and, and our guys are blocking well. I think we're playing in unison well when you think about the, the offensive line, the tight ends. I think the commitment from our receivers blocking downfield and then utilizing some of the RPOs where people have to defend the RPOs. But that's that's the whole component to what drives us, our ability to run it, to utilize the RPO, to utilize the play-action pass and, and to set up those things. And so uh, I think Jonathan, like I said, Jonathan Brooks had another really good really good day today. Um, and we're going to need that run game moving forward. You know, I always say, like, if I can pack two things, every game is is a run game and a defense. If I have those two, we always got a shot. In the middle, Thomas. Uh, Coach, what was the impressions of Ryan Watts just watching on the field, and what did his return mean for your secondary? Well, I, again, you know, Ryan provides a great deal of experience for us. Um, I think there's a little bit of a calming effect, um, just knowing that guy's back into the boundary doing what he does. Um, you know, he's a physical player, and sometimes those perimeter plays, you know, what maybe was getting eight, nine, ten yards a week ago, maybe we're getting three, four, and five today um, with his presence. Um, but again, it helps the rotation, you know, and now that rotation between, you know, Terrence Brooks, Manny Muhammad, Gavin Holmes, everybody's a little bit more fresh as that game goes on, especially on a day like today. It was definitely very humid out there. On your right, Kirk. Yes, the emphasis on Malik Danson a little bit before he took the first snap. Pretty looked pretty loose. Uh, and you put the ball in the air nine of those 13 plays down that lateral. Were you kind of going against pipe to kind of figure they're going to spring some hard at you? No, I just, I just felt like sometimes the best way to, to get rid of any of the jitters a guy might have is let him go play. Um, and, and not that I didn't think we could run it or not. Um, I, I just feel like, man, when I was a quarterback and, and if my first time I went out there, Give me some throws, you know. Don't make me wait till it's third and nine, and now I have to throw it to try to make a play. And um, I, I thought there were some good throws in there. You know, I, I really, you know, the, the, I like the throw to Xavier kind of deep across the field. We didn't get the pass interference call, but it was a great read by him. You know, he, he found AD. 
Um, you know, so th there were some things in there that, that I think were good for him, and it kind of got him playing football again. And, you know, a week ago when he went in against Houston, he really only had that, you know, the two throws there for an entire quarter. And we can't play football just lining up thinking we're going to run it, you know, 10 out of 12 plays the whole game. And we, we need balance. And so to get him out there and, and letting him go play, I thought was good for him. Um, and I thought was good for us in that, you know, there's going to be a lot of growth for him out of it. Uh, as well as us as a team. Yeah, um, you know, I, I've, our front showed up today, and, and we talked about it. Um, you know, I, like I said, when we put the keys to victory or the what it takes up with, with our with our team and then offense, defense, special teams, um, that was the, one of the key bullet points in the game was dominate the line of scrimmage. Um, and when, when we play like that, when our front plays like that, then we can be really active in the back end. And I thought that that showed up, you know, with, with the, you know, a couple of big interceptions, the sack fumble there. Um, we had an opportunity maybe at a couple more interceptions there. So it allows us when, when those two things work hand in hand, we're, we're active up front we're really sticky in coverage, it can make it hard on any offense. It really, you know, it doesn't matter. When a quarterback feels the pocket kind of collapsing um, and the windows are tight, uh, that, that's when you're playing really good defense. And so they, they go hand in hand. And today uh, I thought was really effective. And it was a variety of guys, a, a lot of different, different looks of getting to the quarterback, whether it's Sorrell, obviously Jamon Tapp was in there. You know, you saw Sweat, you saw Murphy. Jalen Ford was affecting the quarterback. Uh, Anthony Hill was affecting the quarterback. Jet Bush uh, had a couple plays there. So it's not like we're relying on one guy. Um, I think, A, the scheme was good. But, B, uh, like I said, the versatility of the defense showed up tonight. There was a lot of different guys, you know, making plays and, and being active up front. On your right, Corey. Hey, congrats on the win, Coach. Thank you. Um, I know on Thursday you mentioned how you and your staff are still trying to decide on whether or giving or not giving charge snaps today. So what made you come to the decision of not? Um, I just I wanted to try to find a little more rhythm offensively. Um, you know, we, we just weren't into the flow that I would have liked. Um, we could have had a chance in there. Maybe we would have, could have punched a couple of those drives in where we got stopped inside the five. Um, but we didn't. And so to me, it was about making sure we have enough rhythm with, with Malik in there. Um, so... Again, it's unfortunate. That's why I, you know, I'm always hesitant on those things to say, yes, he's going to go in, because now I'm going to get called a liar that I didn't put him in. So um, I just felt like it just wasn't the right, the right time today. So hopefully in the future we can do it. On your far left, Corey. Hey, Coach. Um, looking at L.J. Martin, you know, one of the best players on that offense, how did you guys prepare for him throughout the week, and how did you pivot when you found out he was not going to be active today? You know, the reality of it was it, – it really wasn't about one player. Um, it was more about defending the scheme uh, and, you know, the multitude of formations and the multiple tight ends that they use. And there's a lot of substituting that goes on. So matching that personnel uh, was big for us today. And then, you know, so it wasn't so much about, like I said, the one guy. It was more about the multitude of the scheme, the formations, uh, and then trying to, like I said, be sticky in coverage when, when they were dropping back. Hey, Coach, four games left, you know, with K-State next week. Just 
What gives you confidence your team's playing the ball you need to just late in the season with you guys right in the thick of the Big 12 race? Well, you know, like I said, I, I think one that, that – we're versatile. You know, we're not a one-dimensional team that just relies on one aspect of our team to, to be successful, you know, in that we have to throw it. If we can't throw it, we can't win. Or we have to run it. If we can't run it, we can't win. Or, um, you know, if we don't play great on special teams, we're in trouble. If we don't stop the run, we're in trouble. If we don't defend the pass, we're in trouble. We, we can do all those things. And, and the personality of the game starts to drive what's needed from our team to to excel to come out victorious and um, I think that's the most encouraging part for me is that our versatility shows up when the flow of the game starts to you know kind of unfold especially in the second half that we're able to adapt and adjust to, to what's happening uh, but the other thing that's encouraging for me is I think our best football is still out there and with, with four games to go with a really good team coming in here next week um, we're going to need our best game here, and, and we need to continue to strive towards that. And I think our team recognizes that, that we're not a finished product, uh, that there's more left out there for us to, to do, uh, and, a, and a better version of our team is still out there for us to play to. Last one in the middle, online. Hey, Coach, um, in this era of the uh, transfer portal, what does it say about a guy like Malik who doesn't shy away when Quinn Ewers commits, doesn't shy away when Arch commits, right? It's almost kind of like Roshan in some ways. What does it just say about him, his character, as a person? Man, I, I'm, I'm so fired up you asked me that. Um, because I, I, to me, in this era of, you know, things don't go my way, I'm going to take my ball and go somewhere else. Um, to have players on your roster that believe in this team, that believe in this football program, that believe in this university, that love being here, um, that that's, I think, ultimately why the culture is the way it is in our locker room. Um, and so for Malik Murphy to commit to the University of Texas and then Quinn Ewers decide to transfer to Texas and he doesn't blink. He still comes here. And he's fighting through an injury his freshman year that he had sustained in the state championship game. And Arch Manning commits and shows up. And two number one players in the country back-to-back -back show up and – goes out and has a really good spring game and people go out and allegedly are trying to recruit him to transfer. And I, and I know this and I, I'm, I'm gonna be candid on this. He didn't stay because of NIL. I had my exit meeting, he didn't bring up one thing about NIL. He stayed because he wanted to be part of this team and he just wanted to make sure that he had an opportunity to compete. And that's what makes him special. And I think that's why our team really loves him so much is that he loves his teammates, he's a great teammate. Um, he motivates Quinn when Quinn's in there. He's, he's a great teammate with Arch. That's why that quarterback room is so good right now. Those guys have great rapport with one another. And so it was not about Malik making his start as much as, okay, Malik's starting. How are we going to go win the game? Like that was our team's mentality. And so in the end, I don't, I don't think it's just Malik Murphy. I think we have a lot of guys like that, that um, they recognize the opportunities that they have here. They recognize the team and the culture that we have here. And inevitably, what can they do to help us try to go win a championship? And today, Malik got his opportunity to go play and, you know, again, showed the resiliency and perseverance that I think our team has, the way he responded to a couple of those turnovers. And uh, I just I couldn't be happier for him. All right, that's Steve Sarkeesian, head coach of the Texas Longhorns. The entirety of his post-game press conference, his team defeats BYU by a score of 30, uh, 35 to 6.
uh, today here in Austin. All right, uh, BYU struggling to move the football. Uh, we do, uh, the, the, the common theme was that BYU kind of grinded its way to 5-2 and two because a lot of the numbers around this BYU team say, how, how do you win five games? We've broken down how it's happened. BYU's been good in the red zone. Uh, they were good again today. It's not enough trips. Uh, they've been good in the margin, turnover margin. They were minus today, and they were good in field position. They were not good today in field position. So two reasons that this game slipped away, not the only two, but uh, the things that BYU needed to do to stay in and win games they had been doing and did not do enough of them today. In fact, BYU ended up minus 22 yards in average starting field position margin. That's You can't overcome that, all other things being equal, and they were not equal today. So BYU was good in a lot of areas. To get to five, they were not good in those areas to fall to five and three today. BYU has had fewer than 300 yards of offense in six of their seven FBS games uh, this year. And... Um, that's, uh, that's a tough one to overcome. In fact, I, I just did a quick breakdown while Coach Sark was talking. I went back to 1972, or the first year of Lavelle, and BYU's eight games into a season right now without a 400-yard game mm -hmm. in offense. Total, that's the first time it's happened since 1972 that I could break down. No 400-yard games through eight games of a season. It's never happened, huh? Even the 2017 season that really struggled, they got to 400 in their eighth game. A loss at ECU, they gained 421 yards that day. They were below 500 in every game before that. So through seven, they didn't get to one, but they got it in their eighth. And so this is the first one since 72 where they've had this kind of struggle numerically. Again, the coaches aren't going to, you know, the, the yards are not the thing for them. It's the points and the wins, but oftentimes one begets the other. And to this point, BYU had done a good job of overcoming a yardage disparity uh, to come up with uh, uh, five wins in seven games. Now they've got to find one win in four games, and they're going to be the underdog in likely all four of those games. They've got to find something. Now, granted, a lot of this is skewed to the fact that you're playing the number seven team in the country with an excellent defensive coordinator and great defensive talent. Tough to move the ball. Didn't score a touchdown as obvious today, but uh, they've got to find a way. Something's got to click here in the last month, and something that may come into play is that redshirt rule. Um, you know, we, we have to acknowledge it at this point. There are some things that BYU can do now that they weren't able to do before if they want to here in the final month. Yeah. Um, BYU's played with Personal-wise. Yeah, BYU's played with a throwing quarterback that doesn't give you a run threat without much of a run game to lean on. Well, one of the reasons BYU's been harder to defend recently was because they were getting rushing yards, and they've now got an option, should they want to, mm -hmm. switch things up in-game or due to margin of lead or deficit or injury, they can now go to Jake Retzlaff at any point and say, bring us something new to this offense and save a year for him. It would at least give BYU a different look. And this isn't all going on Keaton's shoulders. It's not. A lot of things have to work to make Keaton be excellent. And, and a lot of things have struggled to come together with Keaton behind center this year. Uh, the offensive line has been uh, uh, up and down in terms of health and consistency and performance. Uh, the receiving options have been kind of in and out due to health. Uh, Darius has been a revelation, certainly. And then the overall run game is not there. The overall run game has not been there to help Keaton Slovis and this offense all year. They've been a bottom five rushing team essentially from the get-go this year. So what makes a, a, a prototypical quote-unquote passing quarterback good are those things around him, and not enough of those things have been there. So when those things break down, it's nice to have the guy that can do things with his legs. That's not Keaton's game. It never was, and they knew that going in. But they have an option now. Should they want to bring that to the offense to at least introduce it in this last month and not fear of a guy losing a year? Well, I feel like I've spent 17 years on air really trying to press to people that 
very rarely can you point at one thing and say, that's the problem, remove it, replace it, fix it. And that's the big issue with this BYU offense right now. There is not one problem. We know it's not Aaron Roderick, solely Aaron Roderick, because we've seen Aaron Roderick put the last two quarterbacks in the NFL. We know it's not Fessy Sataki because we've seen multiple receiver sets, big receiver sets. Fessy Sataki has sent, sent a couple of receivers to the NFL. You know, we, we know that it's not just the offensive line because I watch Paul Miley moving dudes out on three out of four plays or, or four out of five plays. You know, he's moving guys out. Uh, and so I know it's not Darius Lasseter because Darius Lasseter comes up with these incredible circus catches, and then all of a sudden Darius Lasseter kind of misses a, a ball off the fingertips. Now, that can go to Slovis. That can be to Lasseter, but that goes off his fingertips, bats up in air, and ends up in the hands of Texas's defense. So the point I want to make on that, Greg, is people want a quick fix, and they want an answer, and that's just not how football works. You know, you, you can definitely start to patch things up. Maybe you replace a, a position coach here and there, and I've seen that over the years. You replace a position coach and things improve a little bit. And, but there are a lot of things that can improve. There are a lot of areas that need to be fixed, and I, I still think that they can. I mean, to the point where we see BYU get themselves to bolt eligibility. And the point that you just made, Greg, is the one that I think probably sits the heaviest on Aaron Roderick's head a quarterback that can't really get out and run. And I know that Slovis had the keeper for 20-plus yards today. but Long run of the year. You know, that, that is just a very rare occasion. You need a quarterback that can truly go out and get you some yards and keep those third downs. Think about how many third downs I, were converted by Jaron Hall's ability down this to week. run. I broke it down this week. I took the last 10, de- 10 years of BYU football and you were seeing double-digit third-down conversions out of the quarterback position every year. And that's that helped that number. One of the reasons BYU struggles on third downs is third down is so often, so often the first thing isn't there, maybe even the second thing isn't there, and the quarterback finds it with his legs on the third thing. He's the third option. He makes those few yards to move the sticks. That's so often been there. It's not there for BYU right now. And Jared and Zach were and, so and good at that. Aaron Roderick knew what he was getting in Keaton Slovis. It's not as if, wait, wait, you mean you can't run? No, no, he knew what he was getting. He was getting a pocket-throwing quarterback, and he'd been OCing and calling plays for mobile quarterbacks. If Aaron didn't think he could run an offense with a Keaton Slovis, he wouldn't have gotten Keaton Slovis. He needed some things to go along with Keaton Slovis that haven't been there to this point that help a, pro, a passing quarterback look good in that position. And the lack of the effective run game is first and foremost. Takes away play action, takes away actual yards, takes away third and shorts, all the things you rely on with a Tyler Algier and other guys that help you. That, that was like the ideal offense. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson at quarterback and Tyler Algier at running back. Like that, That's what you want. Or Chris Brooks at running back and Jaron Hall at quarterback. That's the balance you need. It hasn't been there for BYU. So it's not all on Keaton. And it's not a surprise to Aaron. What is maybe surprising to Aaron is how nothing else came around Keaton to help him be the strength he needed to be for BYU to win games. Well, the other thing that he hasn't had is some of his receivers, and when he has them, they're kind of you know well, lower that's, in. That's it, too. You're bringing back a big three in wideouts, and only one of the big three came as advertised, Chase Roberts. 
Um, Keanu was in and out due to injury, and Cody's now just barely getting back due to injury. So that meant you had to bring along Darius and Keelan, and they've come along, and they've been really nice. But again, what he thought he would have, he hasn't really had. And Nate Robbins, that was a 1,000-yard rusher last year in UNLV, begins the game injured. Took him a while to get going in the season. So the things around Keaton that make a prototypical pocket-passing quarterback good and effective didn't come along quickly enough. And this isn't all to go on him, but it's a fair point because if you go back over the five years, last five years of BYU football, the Cougars ran for 11,000-plus yards. Quarterbacks accounted for 1,500 of those 11,000-plus yards. It's a lot. It's 300 a, ga- it's 300 a season. It's over 10% it's of your It's about 25 hole. to 30 a game. That's not a lot, 25 to 30 a game, but it's enough to convert a few third downs and keep a defense honest. But you go from, from, from a 300 yard per season quarterback position to minus yardage in the position because Keaton's a minus guy. And Keaton's always been a minus guy. That's who he is. Again, not a surprise to Aaron Roderick. Three years at USC, one year at Pitt, he would end the year with mush- re- minus rushing yardage every year. But he was such a good thrower, with such good people around him that it didn't matter as much. Yeah. And so all these things are coming into play to the point that we're saying in the final month, you now have options you didn't have before if you wanted to save a year on Jake Red's lap. And Jake isn't the savior. And Jake's not going to fix everything that's broken. He's simply another piece to a puzzle you can use to make your team harder to defend situationally. And you see where it goes. Yeah, and by the way, Greg's not saying, hey, let's bench Keaton and, and play. No. no, no, no. It's just a, a wrinkle. See what it can do for you and see what it can, if it can create some offense. Yeah, one of, one of the things that, that I'd, I'd like to see if, if – you know, and, and if Keaton's still the guy, if Keaton's going to get out and get the majority of the snaps, um, I want to see a lot more quick game. Um, we saw we saw it on one of the fourth down, I think one of the fourth down conversions where he threw a quick slant to Chase Roberts. Yeah. Um, w- one of the one of the issues that I saw today was, yeah, Keaton didn't look as comfortable. The offensive line didn't. I mean, they that Texas D line and rushers they they put a lot of pressure on him and and they they got to him multiple times, uh, but you could tell he just wasn't as as comfortable. I think if you're going to ride with a guy that doesn't have that ability with his legs, you've got to get the ball out quicker. And and there were there were opportunities out there for the quick game, quick slants. Uh, I would love to see. I mean, back when I played, you had those hot routes where if you knew it was third and short or or whatever the situation was, and a guy was playing ten yards off, you could do just a quick signal and and do do a quick hitter. Um, and there were opportunities there for this offense. And a lot of times that that uh, the quick game can supplement when the run game is failing, and, and I feel like BYU can take more advantage of that, uh, especially when Keen Slovis doesn't have the legs that, that these other quarterbacks have had. So if passes, you know, uh, Greg, you mentioned first option, section, second option isn't there, and then the quarterback has to use his legs, that can be the third option. But if we know that, that Keaton's not going to be able to get there, um, get the ball out quicker. Let's drop some more some more plays. I'd love to, I mean, I've, I've seen Aaron Roderick do it, uh, but I think today and moving forward, I would like to see a little bit more of that involved because I think that can help out the situation um, with a lack of a run game, lack of protection, and a lack of a mobile quarterback. Rely on those receivers, and, and you are. You've got to ask those receiver, see, receivers to step up and make plays and, and have strong hands and make contested catches in traffic at times if they are bringing coverage down, uh, but you've got to have that aspect and and to uh, you know we've, we've talked about Isaac Rex not being as involved in the pass game there's a lot of opportunities for some quick stick routes he's a big target over the middle and he can find and sit in those zones and get the ball out quick to Isaac Rex for those four five six seven eight yard gains that can make a difference especially on 
early first and second downs. It was frustrating because I think it, in that opening offensive drive, I think Isaac Rex tried to sit down in the middle, and it was nearly a, a thrown pick. You know, two out of the first three throws that came off Slovin's hands were, were should have been interceptions. You know, they were in the hand of the defender and just kind of slipped out. So I, I agree with you on that. And then the, then the other thing with Slovis, uh, the three turnovers today came from Slovis. One was a fumble off a strip sack, the other two interceptions. Uh, whether you pin him on him or not, you know, the, it's it, it gets frustrating, and I'm sure it's frustrating for him. Those turnovers are brutal. Those turnovers are really brutal. And I don't know what happened in the offensive breakdown that gave the strip sack. Um, I have no idea. But I do know when you see a blitzing corner and you're trying to throw a window and there's a corner in it, you've got to get creative with that throw to make sure it gets around those hands and doesn't get batted in the air. And then the throw to, to Darius Lassiter, yeah, Darius probably should have came down with that. But, yeah, could have been a little bit more to the outside and made it a lot easier catch for Darius Lassiter. So he's got to go back and evaluate the throws and the turnovers that he put on the field today. On the Isaac Rex note, uh, two grabs for 16 yards today. Perhaps another element of this season that's surprising through eight games is that Isaac's sitting at one touchdown. This is a guy that had 12 as a freshman. And, uh, and, and and one's a low number for him this year. Here's another low number relative to tight end completions. Normally, your highest completion rate goes to your running backs and tight ends for obvious reasons. They're catching it closest to the line of scrimmage. So your, your highest completion rate goes to running backs, then it goes tight ends, then it goes wide receivers in terms of targets and receptions. Isaac is at 50% on, on, on receptions versus targets. That's low for his position. He's been higher. He's been 60s and 70s earlier in his career. So 50%, 25 of 50 is what they've converted on. So they've, they've targeted him 50 times, and they've completed half of the targets to Isaac Rex. And these are not predominantly deep downfield shots. Now, he'll have occasional scene shots, and he's got, he'll have some, uh, sideline patterns as well. But for the most part, they've had a tougher job getting the ball to a reliable sit-down off-times receiver in Isaac Rex than you would think they would have. Again, the target percentage or the, the reception rate per target is the lowest it's been, and it's the deepest into his career that he's been. Yeah, or, I mean, early in the season, if, if you remember, I remember talking about this in, in a post game. I can't remember which game it was, but they were trying to use Isaac Rex as a receiver. They'd split him out. They'd throw him jump ball fades. And, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, with his height and, and athletic ability, I think that's a, that's a luxury you can have, but... I just I don't see him being utilized as a true zone read tight end that a lot of so many you know BYU great tight ends were famous for. I mean, you know Dennis Pitta the stick route that was his. Uh, I'd I'd love to go back and 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 look at how many uh, of his catches, how many of them came on a stick um, or a basic route, which is basically just a five a sticks a five yard hitch and a and a a basic is a ten yard. Um, hitch and you can kind of read whether you take it outside or inside just based on the coverage and those routes I d we're not seeing Isaac run as much when they do give it given the ball close to the line of scrimmage we're seeing a couple screens that they're trying to draw up for him um, but then splitting him out wide to throw him a fade ball which we haven't seen in a little bit but early in the season we saw a lot of that so that 25 for 50 based on how they've used Isaac um, it's not that surprising but you're right it should be much better and, and I think if if you use him like a true tight end, uh, take advantage of those five, ten-yard routes and give him the option to find the open zones, Isaac's a smart player, and he can find those. You know, I wonder what, what exactly is going on with Isaac. Because, and I'm sure he's frustrated. I'm sure he's frustrated. But 
There was a concentration drop by Isaac. I believe it was a third down. It was a, the the low one. It was the low so throw. The you it thought it was more catchable than I did, I think. No, I I did. That's a that's a catchable ball for you know Dennis Pitta doesn't miss that catch. I mean, it hits uh, it hit his hands. It was I yeah, think it was closer to the shins, so it, yeah, it I made mean, him go I, I down. Thought, I thought it was. I mean, again, I I I didn't think it was a gimme because of how low it was, but you thought he should have had it. Well, I'm talking about his level tight end. Yeah, yeah, he exactly. That's a hundred percent. Yeah, he should. You catch don't him. miss that throw. It was. It's not hard. It's kind of put in an area. He should have been able to scoop scoop that ball. I mean, I'm talking for Isaac Rex because I hold him in that high regard. You know, if I didn't have a lot of respect for him, I and mean, I could probably put it on Slovis and say, well, that's not a catchable ball. But he is in that talk, that conversation of. I mean, for crying out loud, he's he's tied right now for the touchdown leader um, for tight ends. So it's like. He is better than what we're seeing. I'm sure he's frustrated with that drop. I'm sure he's frustrated with his performance to this point. Do you guys feel like he's fully recovered? I, I, I wonder. Well, it's interesting in that the first half of his season so far has been better than his second half. His first four games, he had 17 grabs. Yeah. His last four games, he has eight. How many targets in the last four, though? Um, I, 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 I can tell you that very quickly. So, since Kansas... Okay, the Kansas game, he was targeted 13 times for seven catches. Okay, his next four games, targets three, two, five, and five. Yeah, see, that, that, that's so, where I see so, the problem. So that's as many targets in one game at KU almost as he's had in the next four. So he's not getting a lot of looks, and he's not getting a lot of catches. Yeah, uh, what, what do you think, Mitch? Is well, that Slovis going away from him, or is that... I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, um, it, and w what it looks like of those targets, a lot of them are on the screens designated for Isaac Rex. Um, and so, of the targets that are going to him, they're designed plays plays solely for Isaac. I'm not seeing Keaton kind of find and, and pick out Isaac Rex through his read progressions. Um, but five targets for one of your best pass catchers just isn't. Uh, to me, it isn't acceptable. You've got to. You've got to, as an offensive coordinator um, and a play caller, find out who your go-to guys are, right? Who are the playmakers? And find out, find ways to get them well, the, the ball. And I want to see a little bit more of that. Who Go back to the drawing board and say, okay, Isaac Rex is a playmaker. He makes he makes catches. Chase Roberts, Darius Lasseter is coming up. Find ways to get those guys the ball because they're going to be your difference makers. The problem is th those numbers that Greg just gave us tell me one of two things. It's, it's one of two things. Either, either I've lost faith in you or you're injured and I can't really get it to you. It's one of the two. When you're seeing that level of target drop-off, it just seems like it's like uh, we've either lost faith in you or you're just not. Because you don't forget a receiving target like that. You, you, in, a, in the length of a game, you don't think, oh, have we thrown it to Isaac yet? Or how many times have we targeted? You, you hammer it down to Isaac. So it's it's strange. Those numbers that Greg just read are revealing to me. Okay, the last uh, four. Uh, so, well, who would you think leads the team in targets for the year? Chase. Uh, Chase. Yeah, it's yes. a Chase. He he came into today with five more targets than Rex, and leaves the day with uh, seven more targets than Isaac Rex on the year. And uh, Chase's last four games have gone nine targets, seven targets, uh, uh, four targets, and today seven. So that that's. That, that, that's your number one guy right there. That, that is your number one guy, and, and rightfully so. And, and Lassiter, like but having said that, Lassiter has 17 targets in the last two games. He's now taken the target lead over the last two games. He had nine last week and eight today. 
for four catches and five catches, respectively. And, and again, I think out of everything, Darius has now become a guy you can really count on, um, in addition to Chase Roberts. And, and if Cody becomes uh, even more of himself as the year goes along, you might end the season with, with a pretty solid trio of, of, of Lasseter, Roberts, and, uh, and Epps by the end of it. I do want to go to your guys' point, because I, I know I put a lot of emphasis on Lasseter coming down with that catch across the middle and Isaac coming down with that catch that was near the knees to the shin. Like, I'm putting they, – they need to come down with those guys, those catches. But Slovis could be more accurate. Uh, 100%. Slovis could be more accurate. I, he's, he's throwing some errant balls, and as Mitch said, he's holding a little bit too long. That's putting a lot of stress on your offensive line. It's putting stress on him because he's taking some big hits too. Yeah, he he was, took a he, lot of big he was, hits. He was 62% today. Would, would this surprise you if I said today was his second best accuracy day of the year? That would it would surprise yeah, you, wouldn't would it? Surprise me. It was his second best accuracy day of the year today on a day when you felt he was off. Only sixty two percent. That's right. So he's been he's been he's been under sixty in the last five games before today. I don't know if that if if, it, if that yeah, he 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 was fifty two Arkansas, fifty nine Kansas, fifty four Cincy. 44 TCU, 56 Texas Tech. It's been, in fact, this is his best FBS opponent passing completion percentage day of the year. He was at 61 against Sam Houston. So of seven FBS games, this was his high today at 62. And so his high comes on a day when he ends up with a one, or his high comes on a day when he ends up at a 93.7 pass efficiency. That's not good. That's that subpar. So the completions were... Um, Couple big hits, a uh, 47 to to Darius Lassiter, um, but uh, well, the, the problem with that is I can get those percentages with a quarterback that can scramble. That's that's the problem. If you're going to sit me in a pocket, I've got to deliver those percentages. Those percentages have to really climb. And to Mitch's point, I got to deliver time and time again yeah. on timing, on timing, on mark. And again, if it, it, that's if you're just a sole pocket passer. Yeah, that's what I expect from duck, you. If you're just ducking into this, this isn't a uh, a dump on Keaton. Not at all. Segment at all. Again, we're, we're we're indicating why it is that a a straight back, a straight prototypical drop back passing quarterback hasn't given BYU the numbers that A Rod thought they would have this year. It's things around him. He's a part of it. That's right. Is his accuracy is, is is a factor, but it's not the only reason. That's why by by introducing the notion of a running quarterback at times in these last four games isn't saying if you do this you'll win or this is the reason you're losing it's well, simply to say it's simply to say you become a tougher team to game plan for with a quarterback who can do those you, you can make an argument all over the place for how much fault is on Keaton how much fault is everywhere else like I said to start this whole thing you could never point at one thing and right. one person but I'm going to tell you this you put me back as a pocket passer and you consistently put me in third and eight and third and eleven I've got to do one of two things. I've either got to sit there and gun because I know the blitz and pressure is coming, or i got to be able to convert with my feet. And if I have no trust in my feet, I'm trying to, to push and trying to find those open routes, and, and they were getting to him today. They were, they were hitting him some today. There's a, there's a level of frustration there that yeah. I, I'm sure he's really yeah. feeling. And, and, look, we can talk about him holding it all we want, but that comes back to – are receivers breaking in routes? Are they getting open to where he th expects it's them a, to be open? It's a team open? issue. It's not a Keaton issue. Exactly. So yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up because this is not a, a dump on Keaton. This is let's try to figure out you know what where the percentages are and and how this offense can improve. Well, and even pre-snap, there's uh, I'm surprised that through eight games, 
there's still a lot of confusion pre-snap. Um, and out of timeouts. And out there. of timeouts. And, and I, I noticed a number of times today that receivers, um, I mean, it's very frequent and, and often, or it's, been, it's too often to see, you know, quarterbacks or receivers, you know, signaling to a receiver, hey, you're on the wrong side or you're on, you know, Titans on the wrong side. And then, then they start their motions and it's just, there's, there's still a lot of confusion and, um, and it's not just one player. It's, it's at times it's, I can pinpoint every receiver today. There were moments where it's like, hey, wh what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Signal me over. Someone's pushing me to the other side because I'm on the wrong side. Um, there's too much pre-snap confusion, which 100% can be fixed. Um, and that's, again, that is not necessarily a Keaton issue that's that's everybody involved and in doing their 111th that you hear that the, the coaches talk about and the players talk about um, that I think can be cleaned up because again there were there were two times today there were they had BYU had to call timeouts coming out of the break and and that that's to me is is part of the problem before the ball is even snapped I think there are still some issues that need to be ironed out and fixed uh, because that's going to translate when the play kicks off. We've already talked about how uh, lack of quarterback rushing affects the overall rush game numbers, but traditional run game is still not anywhere where it needs to be for BYU. This was another sub-100-yard game on the ground. Uh, yeah. They will finish the year without something crazy happening as a bottom-five rushing team nationally. And, and again, you, you, you're not going to be effective with play action with those numbers, and, and BYU hasn't been. So uh, goals for the final four games – need to include finding some way to have a consistent running threat, whether it's by quarterback, running back, or some combination thereof. They've got to find ways to move the ball on the ground um, because the overall offensive numbers ultimately don't uh, – they're not going to hold up. They're not sustainable. We talked about BYU gets to 5-2 and two by being just really good in the red zone and really ball secure and, and really good with field position flipping. But if you don't have all those things happening every game and you're not gaining 280 yards a game, it, it's going to be hard to, to get the win totals uh, you need in the end. Let's do this. Let's, um, let's take a break. And as we do so, let's uh, give our listeners who are still with us the chance to win two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream. It is BYU Creamery Inside Scoop Trivia brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. All you're going to want to do is tweet with the hashtag BYUCPL for Cougar Post Game Live. That's hashtag BYUCPL, hashtag BYUCPL for BYU Cougar Post Game Live. Include that hashtag and give us the correct answer to this skill testing trivia question. In the Kalani Sitake era, in which month has BYU won the most games? In the Kalani Sitake era, in which month has BYU won the most games? First correct answer with the hashtag BYUCPL wins the ice cream. In which month of the Kalani Sitake era has BYU won the most games? The answer and our closing segment from Austin coming up after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. With more post-game reaction, here's Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, with more Cougar post-game live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU will next week play the 99th game of the Kalani Sitake era in Morgantown, West Virginia. BYU under Kalani falls to 61-37 and 37 overall with Texas's 35-6 win over BYU today here in Austin. So we're going into the month of November. Turn of the calendar, which brings me to today's skill testing trivia question on 
Cougar Post Game Live. Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live. It's the BYU Creamery Inside Scoop trivia question, and today's question was and is, in the Kalani Sitake era, in which month has BYU won the most games? We're going into November, and BYU is an excellent 20-5 and five in the month of November. So 20 wins, but... Not the answer? Not the answer. BYU is 21 and 13 in September. So September is the month in which BYU's won the most games in the Kalani Sitake era. And the first Twitter follower using the hashtag BYUCPL with the correct answer is Bryant Walker. Congratulations, Bryant Walker. You've won two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. BYU under Kalani is, in the month of August, 1-1. One one. September, 21-13, and 13 most wins. October, mm, losing record after today, 14-15. and 15. November, 80% win rate, 20 and 5. Yeah, but Novembers in Independence are different than Novembers in Big 12 play. Getting much different, but 20 and 5, great win rate historically. Now it changes going into the Big 12. And then December, you get your bowl games, you get your COVID year, you get a funny thing there too, uh, 5 and 3 mm-hmm. in December. So 21 uh, wins in September, that's the correct answer. So we reset the Hansels and handicapping scale for what's left for BYU. Yeah. Another reset. Here we go. BYU is 5-3 and three oh. on the year. Just uh, resetting your uh, your Big 12 situation. And um, the last game to play today, Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. Uh, this game is 7-7. 7-7, Cincy and Oklahoma State, uh, with 3.30 to go in quarter number one. And that game is uh, taking place at uh, at Nippert. No, no, it's taking place in Stillwater. It is in Stillwater. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati 7, Oklahoma State 7 in Stillwater. So uh, recapping what's gone on today, Oklahoma in losing to KU by a score of 38-33. to 33. Uh, Oklahoma drops to 4-1, and one, and KU goes to 3-2. and two. Texas defeating BYU goes to 4-1. and one. K-State defeating Houston 41 to nothing. Yikes, goes to 4-1. and one. Iowa State and defeating Baylor 30-18 to 18 goes to 4-1. and one. So OSU's trying to j- join four teams atop the Big 12 at 4-1. and one. Then you get your 3-2s, and twos, which are now KU and West Virginia. Then you get your 2-3s, and threes, which are now BYU and Baylor. And then you find TCU, Texas Tech, both the 2-3. and three. They also they bide today, so four teams at 2-3. and three. And then you go to 1-4 and four, Houston, 0-4 Cincinnati and 0-5 UCF. That's how the Big 12 shakes up with a four-way tie for first. And OSU looking to join them at the top. So bringing us to BYU's final four games, BYU is at 5-3, and 2-3 and three in league. Forget the league title chase for a moment. It's really not an issue. You're talking about bowl eligibility. Where do you find that sixth win? So, hands, here we go. The games remaining for BYU in this season are next week at West Virginia, home to Iowa State, home to Oklahoma, and at Oklahoma State. And of these next four teams, it's a 3-2, and two, a 4-1, and one, a 4-1, and one, and right now a 3-1 and one in league. So, easiest to hardest games remaining for BYU. Okay, easiest is going to be Iowa State at home. Okay. You get back to the confines of Lavelle Edwards Stadium where you have not lost yet this year. You're feeling some type of magic in that area. You're feeling the energy. Maybe you get a night game. Yeah, maybe you get a night game. Maybe you get the night game. I think I think the the strength of schedule here for BYU in terms of of Hans's um, evaluation here de- is dependent on time of the game. Time of game. Yeah. For those home games. BYU, by the way, is two and ten in its last day games. But go ahead. Yeah. So Iowa State number one. I'm going to go West Virginia. 
this next week, number two, actually. Okay. Um, and, and I've got a couple of reasons for that. Number one, after that TCU loss, and it was a kind of an embarrassing loss, you, you saw some reformation and you saw them really spark against Texas Tech. I expect to see some really good offensive changes to get you ready for the road game against West Virginia. A rebound game next Yes. Week. So I'm going to go Iowa State. I'm going to And it's not that they were embarrassed. They were embarrassed offensively. Defensively, they held up tonight. Much better. But uh, offensively, they're embarrassed. So I'm going to go West Virginia, number two most likely to win. I'm going to go Oklahoma State, number three most likely to win. On the road? Yep. And then Oklahoma. Oklahoma, just watching Dylan Gabriel. And I, I know that they suffered a loss to Kansas. In, in Lawrence. Today. In, in Lawrence. I know that they just suffered that loss. But that is still a team that – Brings a lot of run game, a lot of run ability, a lot of run stop ability. I just think it's a, I think it's a tough matchup for BYU. Okay, so toughest games left going back to front would be Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Iowa State. That's right. Okay, and BYU's got to find one. And it's fair to say BYU will be an underdog in all four games. They weren't underdog today. I think they were an underdog to Texas Tech last week. So they'd be an underdog in their final six games of the year at least and need to find a way to win two of them. They already won one last week. they got to win one of the last four. Where I'll give win? them a 90% chance to find a win. I'm pretty sure they were underdogs for every Big 12 game, right, so uh, far? Yeah, at KU they certainly were. Were they Cincinnati uh, at home? Cincinnati at home, I, mm, I think. Um, was that? Uh, was it Cincinnati minus three? <laughs> I don't that, know. I, that's I, the only one that I could think that. But I know Texas Tech was a favorite. Yes. Uh, oddly enough. But I can't remember. BYU closed minus one against Cincinnati, so BYU was yeah. a home favorite. That was the Cincinnati. only one I thought yep. maybe. Yeah, so they were there. They were. But they'll be an underdog in be the Be dogs the and the everything else. Four. So yeah. they got to find a way to to, to, to stage uh, a true upset and an upset against a spread here to get to a bowl game. It's really it's it's intriguing, isn't it? Though, the, it's I mean, as much as coaches and players have really not wanted to talk about it and even kind of said I didn't even think about it. That's the intrigue left right now in this season is can you find an extra game? Can you play in a postseason game in your first year in a big, in a power conference league? And they've got four cracks to get one game. And I feel so confident that they can do it. I really do. I mean, I feel confident that they could still find seven wins in this season. You know, they could get Iowa State at home and maybe they sneak this one out against West Virginia next week. Or maybe there's some type of trouble down the road and Oklahoma State's a little bit more vulnerable. But I still feel like Seven wins is, is possible. I, I almost am insisting on a bowl win. Like, I'm almost insisting bowl on a win that a gets bowl, you uh, yeah, yeah, to a bowl. Game to get to a bowl, yeah. Uh, by the way, um, different sport, but uh, the other kind of football, soccer being played north of Austin here in Round Rock. Oklahoma upsetting Oklahoma State. The, uh, the 10 defeats the, the 7 in the first round of the Women's Soccer Championship. So BYU will take on the Sooners on Monday afternoon up north in uh, Round Rock, just by a few minutes from here. So BYU and OU, Monday, 4.30 Mountain Time on ESPN+. And it's an upset, and uh, BYU took care of Oklahoma in Norman a couple weeks back. Look to do it again here in Round Rock and advance in the Women's Soccer Championship of the Big 12. Congrats to the BYU Women's Cross Country team, Big 12 champions today in Ames. The men finished second Oklahoma State, and so it's championship time as BYU introduces itself into the Big 12 and already has one trophy to show for it and hopefully more to come. Soccer, best wishes in their pursuit of that championship trophy next Saturday as they look to advance through the bracket with games Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, hopefully. Next Saturday, we will be in Morgantown, West Virginia. BYU plays in Morgantown for the first time ever. Not the first time they've faced. BYU played West Virginia at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland 
And Mitchell, where were you? I was on the field. On the field with Taysom Hill and others. Mm -hmm. And uh, West Virginia won a wild one. I think maybe 38-35 was the final in that game. Great game. A lot of fun. Yeah, high scoring, a lot of offense. Um, yeah, it was unfortunate. Uh, I think right at the end, BYU had a chance. Got close with Taysom. I thought, yeah. thought we were they were driving. There was a pick. Uh, pick yeah. late in the game. Went deep. Um, <laughs> with either a minute left, less than a minute, um, we were driving. And then uh, it ended with a pick. Unfortunate. Are you guys in the... Meadowlands, Pittsburgh Courtyard. Is that where you guys are now? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I'll tell you. Which brings I, I feel like you're throwing me off your trail. I really do. No, and 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 this wasn't even this wasn't even going to get talked about. But <laughs> I think our listeners will be glad. You know, on a day like today, I think everyone out there who's still with us could use a chuckle. And and more often than not, I think Hans's uh, travel stories will bring us a chuckle, <laughs> week to week. <laughs> At this point, Hans is game planning. What can I do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, now, now here's here. I just now, don't want to get how, stuck now, in the airport. How, tomorrow. Here's how Greg operates <laughs> with his team. Okay, I let everybody know before the season where I and ideally we will be staying. Yeah. You know, I, I, I give you all the list of the hotels for every game. Here's the hotel. Book at the same place. We'll get there together. We can drive together, and and that's the way it's going to go. It seems like a pretty simple thing. I just send you the list, and then you you book at the same place. Yeah. Somehow, as we get prepared to meet in the hotel lobby today, we're just missing one guy. <laughs> and that one guy texts me saying, innocently as ever, I'm in the lobby. Can you guys come pick me up? <laughs> I was like, where are you? Because he's not at our hotel. Well, I was down early for the breakfast. I'm like, where, where are my boys? <laughs> and I'm like sitting around, like looking at the text, like, oh, they're on their way. And then Greg's like, uh, hey, hey we'll, we'll just extend this for a minute. I'll be right down. And I'm like, oh, nice. Okay. So that's why I'm not seeing him. And I'm like, I'm not seeing Mitch. I'm not seeing anybody. Where's Jake. I thought for sure Jake would be down there having some oatmeal. And <laughs> turns, out, turns out I'm in a completely different hotel. But Hans is making progress because before he was in a different city. Yeah. And now he's in the, in the right city, just the wrong hotel. So we're getting closer. We're, we're getting closer, but uh, we'll double check this thing. I'm, I guess I'm staying in some place in yeah, Pennsylvania. We're, we're going to square this up. We're going to leave the booth tonight all really well connected on where we're staying for the West Virginia game. Yeah. But, uh, the great thing was just hands like, yeah, I, I just can you come pick me up? I'm not where you are. <laughs> well, I'm just glad I wasn't 50 miles away. Well, you were actually pretty close. Yeah, it was wasn't too terribly bad. Fairly close. I, I guess I threw a dart. But, I, but, okay, it, would, but it wouldn't be a road trip with hands without something being just a little I, bit of miss. I want to give people my perspective because I kind of feel like Greg and the guys threw me off their trail. I think they said, let's tell Hans to no. schedule <laughs> here and then let's schedule here so we don't have to deal with him. There were no changes in plans. If we go back through Hans's phone, we're going to see exactly what I said was going on. <laughs> and he's just kind of, uh, he's on he's on HST, Hans standard, <laughs> I think his own way of doing I th things. I think it was probably the complimentary breakfast. Uh, <laughs> he, I he booked at our hotel. He was looking at it and said, I don't, they don't, I don't see a complimentary breakfast that was nice by the way i yeah. made my own waffles and everything yeah it was it was kind of nice but um but uh you know i i do i do hope that we can find the same hotel in in pennsylvania, in pennsylvania. Yeah, and, and and just fyi um on a football weekend in morgantown you're not staying in morgantown unless you want to spend a big chunk of change so we're a little out of we're a little outside of town we're yeah. closer to pittsburgh than we are morgantown and Pittsburgh, by the way, is the big city you fly into to get to Morgantown. But we're more on the Pittsburgh side than the Morgantown side this next week. Are you feeling anything about flights tomorrow? Should I 
try to get on your flight like early or what what do we and do? I've actually got a pretty standard flight time like I'm noonish tomorrow okay so I, think, I think we're on the same flight yeah I should be okay then you might actually get home tomorrow <laughs> I might actually get home <laughs> put myself on the day in of the departure I'm gonna have you get one of those baby snugglies and I'm just gonna sit oh, on your yeah. chest and <laughs> make sure <laughs> every road trip so far is a story this is, this is like we're, we're like we're here we're like batting a thousand on these did you year. see me in a snuggly on Greg's <laughs> chest <laughs> him, car- him carry me around <laughs> We'll get you there, Hans. We'll get you. I'm just I, I'm just new in this thing. I'm just trying to learn this whole travel thing. And we're just trying to end your day in a light way, Cougar Nation. Yeah. I mean, it was a rough one today, and there'll be better days, but uh, man alive. Uh, not a lot going on uh, for BYU offensively today. It's it's the rare touchdown-less day uh, for the Cougars, one of the lower-scoring days of the Kalani Sitake era as BYU falls by a score of 35-6 today to the seventh-ranked Longhorns. Uh, yeah, like I said, you hit the stretch run, and, you, and there's a lot to play for in terms of you want to get yourself into the postseason. you got four cracks to get one and hopefully more than one, but the next shot at that will come next Wednesday. <laughs> beg your pardon, next Saturday at West Virginia as the Cougars and Mountaineers play. No game time set, but we'll know a game time by later tonight, I think. Later tonight, early tomorrow. It's officially in what they call the six-day window, so six-day would make it tomorrow. But usually once Saturday night's games are complete, you start hearing about game times being set. So it won't be too long before we know when the Cougars and Mountaineers will play. BYU's been a much more proficient night team than day team, as we all know. Of course, part of uh, the factor there is that uh, the day games are often the higher-profile teams, higher-profile broadcast slots, and better opponents like Texas was today as a national-ranked team. That also plays into it. So... Uh, there is a, a bit of a uh, extenuating circumstance, if you will, when it comes to this day record, night record thing for BYU. All right, let's uh, let's say so long. Let's wrap it up. Let's say thanks to the crew back at BYU Radio. We had uh, we had a lot of folks uh, as a part of today's broadcast. We had uh, we had uh, Seth Larson, we had uh, Derek Dungan, we had Ethan Arkell, we had James Finlayson, all working the board and the editors. We had Terry South as our coordinating producer. Jason Shepard is our studio host. Barry Squires on engineering, Clark Jackman, who was here, and Sean O'Neill, who was there in operations, Casey Stoffer, BYU Associate AD for corporate sponsorship, also a big part of the behind-the-scenes operations. And then here in Austin, we had our spotter, Jake Murphy, our statistician, Ralph Sokolowski, our on-site engineers, Ben and Lily Warner. Great job by those two, the dynamic duo, getting it done for us here in Austin. And appreciation to the BYU football communications crew led by uh, Duff Tittle and Brett Pine and Kenny Cox and so many others. So appreciation to all those folks for helping us do our jobs. And we appreciate you, Cougar Nation, for joining with us and staying with us all game day long. Again, the outcome, not what any of us wanted, but uh, better days ahead as the Cougars move on and move into November and take on West Virginia next Saturday. So that will do it for the man on my far left. And we're going to keep him safely. We're not letting him out of our sight tonight till we get him back to his hotel. His hotel. (laughs) Far left, Hans Olsen. (laughs) To my near left, Mitch Jurgens. My name is Greg Rubel. Saying, in the meantime and in between time, this has been BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good night. So long from Austin, Texas.